love solo. Everything that's gone wrong sticks to your solo. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Colin Thompson Show. Really excited about our guest today, Panthers wideout, CFL legend, small school college football legend, Brandon Zilstra, joining us live. Jack in the back, Justin Ayers were down in training camp, and we got to interview Brandon for a full hour in person talking about his journey from making a commitment, driving across the country throughout the whole day, throughout the night, 24 hours to say, you know what? I'm from a small school, Division II, Division III. I'm just going to commit to this with my quarterback, and I'm going to find a way to make it to go professional from a CFL tryout to committing to a CFL contract to then all of a sudden getting an invite from the Vikings and then the CFL team wouldn't let him do it because he was under contract to a great CFL career to the Carolina Minnesota Vikings again. And it's just a great story. And he's been in Carolina for years. This is the guy who's kicked off in a football game when the kicker got hurt and then ran down and made a tackle. This is a guy who's had huge plays in the NFL, touchdowns uh, on special teams, on offense. He's a do-it-all type of guy. And he's a great guy, a great friend, a great person. And we're really excited to have Brandon Zilstra on. I am jacked to have Jay Brad, Justin Bradley, in the house today. How you doing, man? I'm good. Happy to be here. Uh, can't wait to keep talking. Okay, good. That's a good intro. We have a ah yeah. uh, Adam and can't wait to keep talking. So you'll get ripped for that, just like everything Jack's. Jack's getting ripped for you, you, making fun of women's lacrosse, not making fun of, but saying that men's lacrosse is better. Uh, and then on. all your takes about putting mild and hot wings on the same thing. And then last week we did Gatorade colors and you put anything in a certain bottle tastes good. So Jack in the back, we have a rating system again today. We're going to be rating public transportation. I think we may be the first people to do public transportation. It kind of hit me like a ton of bricks today. Jack, have you ever seen anybody rate public trans? I have not. I mean, every time I hear about public transportation, it's always pretty negative. So, I mean, ranking the best forms of public transportation is definitely a unique one. I, it's It's got to be a new one. I am jacked about it. No pun intended. Because, hey, you know, like I said, I fought tooth and nail on this ranking thing. Jack and our awesome team here. And Justin has been a part of, you know, the videos that everybody watches and support of and cuts up. We have a team behind that. Justin Jack are a huge part of that as well as a host of other people. And everyone's like, we should do ratings. You know, everyone gets good, you know, gets good buzz off doing ratings and good conversation. And I'm like, yeah, all right, fine. We're going to do it. So good call on you guys. We've got some good buzz. We've got some good conversation out of it. Uh, we're getting all of our other podcasts involved in it. And we'll see more out of everybody when everyone's kind of up and going here. Putting close to September, August 21st. You look down at that. It's pretty crazy. Football season's here. We're entering the week of the third preseason game. Um, you know, so exciting stuff there. Guys, this podcast is not possible without our sponsors, but really they're friends of the pod and, you know, they're family. And we're just very fortunate to work with such great people over at the Fudge Kitchen, the original Fudge Kitchen, fudgekitchens.com. Check out our social media. Our boy Jay Brad and Rossi were out front asking the tough questions. Not really, but tough questions to people outside the original Fudge Kitchen. Jay Brad. Okay. So what was the toughest question you asked that someone got right, you think? Um. Well, we had some kids, you know, typical high school boys thinking they're all cool. Um, we, we tossed them the Colin Thompson question. At first, they were all like, oh, I don't know. And then they tried to sneak it on us. 
Um, and, and when we called them, they tried to, yeah, it was a big group. They tried to distract us. It's all on video. We could expose them if we wanted to, but it's in the past. Um, but the toughest one, I think someone got the new stadium name of Heinz Field, if I believe, because it's Arkeesier. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's like something like that. Um, so I think someone got that. That was probably the toughest one, in my opinion. I mean, we just posted one where a guy didn't know what team Patrick Mahomes played for, and he thought that that he thought that was a hard question. So it all depends on the person we interviewed, I guess. Well, that's a great job out of you and Rossi and our team putting all that stuff together uh, because it was really cool content right in front of the original Fudge Kitchen. You guys were at Ocean City. Which one were you guys yeah. at, you know? New Jersey. So it was the one right in front of the music pier. Uh, I forget what street that is street. because the other one's like a store, like a gift store. And that's like the actual like fudge. Shop. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. 12th Street. Yep. They just added a new one there, that kind of gift shop. You can buy fudge in there and stuff like that, too. But uh, yeah, it's, it was really good. Just good stuff. If you haven't seen it, check out the trivia in front of the original Fudge Kitchen, fudgekitchens.com, shipping fudge and sweet treats across the country. Thank you to those guys at Fudge Kitchen all over the Jersey Shore, all the way from Ocean City, two locations down through the Jersey Shore points, and then again, two in Cape May at the end of the road there. So ship it to somebody. This you know, fall season is on approaching. Once once that clock strikes September, it's fall. Uh, it's football time, and there's no better way to celebrate it than some awesome fudge. Shout out to our friends over at the, excuse me, Wealth Advisory Services, wealthadvisoryservices.com. Paul Crew and his team of Dave, they have, uh, excuse me, his team, including Dave uh, Jenkins, they have over 100 years of experience there. Located in Doylestown, Bucks County, and in Cape May, New Jersey. So they have you covered down there. It's convenient. It's easy to get to. And they are great guys that I'm very fortunate to work with. With the busy schedule of NFL and podcasting and travel and all the things I get to, you know, very blessed I get to do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. It's really nice to have someone to rely on like those folks over at Wealth Advisory Services. Again, 100 years of experience in their building alone. And they're local. They're people from Bucks County. They're people from Jersey. And they work with clients across the country. So if you need guidance on your you know, approach to how to manage your wealth, whether it's a, a small amount or a massive amount, buying a house, 401k, retirement, Paul, Dave, and their team over there in Doylestown and Cape May, New Jersey, have you guys covered. Wealthadvisoryservices.com. If you don't know them, you should. All right, boys. So lots to discuss. I first want to start with this. So there's a there's a lot to tackle here with what's going on in college football, right? So there's the NIL stuff, which everyone's freaking out, freaking out about it. And it's all, you know, it's blown up and guys are getting overpaid and whatever it may be. We had a player walk away this week that made all that NIL money and he's getting paid for stuff that he'd be doing this year and he could walk away with it and kind of leave the game down at LSU. But the big news the big, big news is the Big Ten announces a TV rights deal totaling, totaling over $8 billion with Fox, CBS, and NBC. CBS and NBC are each paying around $350 million per year for their Big Ten packages, and the Big Ten new rights agreement are worth $8 billion over a seven-year term. So there's lots to unpack here, right? We... There's the expansion of the Big Ten first, adding UC, USC and UCLA, and more are to come, right? They're saying they're going to add 20 teams total to the Big Ten, or they're going to have 20 teams total to the Big Ten, not add. So, you know, where any good thought is done, I'm in the sauna today. 
and I'm sitting there and you know, people are around me talking about football and all these different things. And I'm just trying to be a fly on the wall and be, just be quiet, Colin, be quiet, Colin. Don't interject. Cause you get to really hear what people think, you know, uh, you get to hear a, an older gentleman give his thought. And then a, a, someone who's younger than me, give their thought. And then someone who's, you know, 40 year old and have their two kids out there swimming in the pool. You get to hear their thought, right? All these different, you know, kind of melting pot of folks in there for lack of better term of ages and, you know, ethnicities and whatever it may be, you get to hear some good content. So I try to mute my, my pot, my AirPods and listen. They're talking about the big 10 and these TV deals and expansion and Notre Dame came up and Notre Dame always comes up because where do they stand? And I have conversations with friends all the time, you know, Notre Dame's destined to join, you know, Notre Dame's destined. They need to join the big 10. And I always say they don't need to do anything. Uh, they already have a, you know, a multi-year deal, uh, you know, with, let me see. Notre Dame currently has a $26 million a year deal in combination with NBC and its partnerships with the ACC. $26 million a year is really good money, but it's not $8 billion, you know, over seven years. And they're splitting that between all the Big Ten schools. So you guys can do the math on that. It's a lot more than that. Notre Dame would probably enter, and they probably have to make them renegotiate because what Notre Dame can bring in. So it just made me think, like, is this a move by the Big Ten? And I'm going to open the floor up to you guys here for your thoughts in a second. Is this a move, you know, by the Big Ten to allure Notre Dame some more? Because they're saying, hey, listen, this is crazy. So the Big Ten will be on Fox to start today. We'll be on CBS 330 game. And we'll be on night for the NBC game. So they're going to be across three platforms, really four, because every highlight is going to be showed on ESPN. You're going to watch it all the next day on your ESPN apps. Like the amount of content going to be generated through the Big Ten is crazy. So I think this is all a move to bring Notre Dame in. I, before I said oh, Notre Dame, they're not going to come in, but why wouldn't you come in now? Because now the money is just absolutely ridiculous, that ridiculous for you not to join. And there's other impacts on it, right? Like I'm thinking, well, how does it affect other sports? Like, doesn't really matter about other sports. Do they matter? Absolutely to me. But I'm talking now to like someone who's writing a check from Fox or CBS. They're not thinking about, we've talked about women's across on here. They don't consider women's across a money, money generating sport, right? Like there's only really one it's football. And then like 10 basketball teams in college basketball really generate money, like a lot of it. And the rest of them either break even or a donor makes them break even or whatever it may be. So, okay. Notre Dame joins the Big Ten. What are the perks of that? For them, a lot more money. Also, even more money because they're going to renegotiate and probably get a bigger piece of the pie than other teams because they're bringing in something that's such a massive, massive, massive brand. Uh, and it had to be such an enticing package for them that they'd have to come out of nowhere with this huge deal to Big Ten and say, here you go, Notre Dame. If you join, you get X. So there's that. Even more national recruiting platform for them because they're going to now play UC. They're going to continue to play USC and UCLA, and probably play the Rose Bowl is going to be where the big championship game is. So Big Ten championship game is. So I think there's a, there's a lure there. For their smaller programs, they can put teams on a bus and not spend the money for jet fuel, and they could take them to all the Big Ten schools pretty much in their area, all in the Midwest there on a bus. That was kind of a fun thought I thought about. Again, not a deal breaker, but a part of the conversation for me at least. Then I started thinking, well, who else could join the Big Ten if Notre Dame comes in? Well, they play BC every year. Why wouldn't BC join? Geographically, makes sense. Close off the Northeast. They're the really only school in the Northeast other than Rutgers and uh, Penn State, right, that have had success in football. 
So to me, really, there's no like aha moment here other than the fact that before I was saying there's no way Notre Dame would join the Big Ten. And I've talked about it on here before. Why would they? They're their own entity. They make a ton of money. All their other, you know, all their other sports play in the ACC. That's fine. Well, the ACC, someone's going to get plucked out of there, you would assume, maybe two, either by the SEC or the Big Ten, because the SEC is becoming their own NFL. And then as I knock my mic over here, using my hands, I'm talking more and I'm becoming more Italian. Uh, and I am half Italian. Shout out to my mom. Shout out to the doubters out there. So, um, Notre Dame, you know, uh, SEC's becoming their own kind of NFL entity. Big Ten's kind of becoming their own NFL entity. And it's like, well, who's left in the middle? Do we get to span it or do we add more? And I could see the ACC being a candidate either to add or to span, right? They're right in the middle. What are they going to do? So I'm, I'm, I'm continuing to ramble here, but there's just so much to unpack about this. And I just think that, you know, I just think it's a no-brainer now for, for them to join the Big Ten because of the money, not because – it makes sense geographically and because we want to see Notre Dame play Penn State. No, it's because of the cash. And that's the only way it would make sense for Notre Dame to go over to the Big Ten. And now these games for them are going to bring in even more money. Notre Dame, at Ohio State at home. You know, Notre Dame, Penn State at home. Again, I'm talking Notre Dame at home here, like bringing money to South Bend, bringing money here. Like it's going to be a lot bigger than playing Temple. Right, Ari, my alma mater, I love. Right, like that's going to be who they're going to be playing every week. USC, UCLA, like huge brands. So um, I think it's opportunity for them to make a ton of money from TV rights, other things, all the things that come with it. So I'll send it over to Jack for your initial thoughts, Jack, from all the money being spent. But to me here, I just think again, went from someone who was no way they're going to the Big Ten to, yep, I think it's only a matter of time till Notre Dame goes over to the Big Ten just because of the money being passed around. Yeah, I mean, financially, you kind of said it perfectly. They're making $25 million off that ACC contract, and basically the numbers would probably quintuple that if they were to join the Big Ten. It's just So financially, it makes perfect sense. But, I mean, I could also see from a football-wise, I think they could leverage their contract at the ACC and also be like, listen, we're independent. We can bring in more money if we adjust our schedule and start playing more Alabamas because the, the independent schedule opens up so many opportunities for them to play these other teams and bring in all this revenue on their own. So I could see that being like a leverage point. But like you said, even the financials of like the ratings that they could pull from reigniting that rivalry of Michigan on a yearly basis, make that a yearly must-watch game, night game on ABC. I mean, I, I'm completely with you. You talk about the Penn State, Ohio State. Those games just are money-making rating machines. So I can see both sides of it. And I think it's really a matter of if they want to keep that integrity of independent, and I think they can make the money one way or another. It just depends which way they lean. I think they can leverage this Big Ten contract to their advantage. Absolutely. Yeah, it's an absolutely great point you bring up, Jack. The best point of the day, though, is our friends over at Tom Sleep. Guys, it's changed my life, period. Sleeping-wise, relaxation-wise, you know, you're traveling, you've had long days, you can't wind down, or you got a nap late in the day and you can't fall asleep. Som Sleep is the answer. Get Som Sleep. SOM, get some sleep. SOM, promo code Colin, promo code Colin. Check it out. It is the best product. The natural magnesiums, the natural ingredients they have in there just wind you down. You're not groggy in the morning. And again, for someone that has balancing all the things that I'm trying to balance, sleep is the most important thing for me, recovery wise, and to sleep through the night. So I take some sleep every day. I've said it on here before. It has absolutely changed my career. 
Uh, I'm up in the morning, no grogginess, ready to go. Uh, great night's sleep. So check them out, guys. Get some sleep, promo code Colin. Okay. Are we ready? Are we ready to rate <laughs> uh, some public transportation? And oh, I think I'm going to go to Jay Brad here because he's been on the sideline. He's from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Like, this could potentially be another just asinine comment from a co-host on the Colin Thompson show. And, and guess, listen, some of my comments are asinine too. Some people are probably slamming their, you know, hands on the steering wheel, driving through, uh, like, spitting chicklets, you know, spitting spitting chicklets does. Like, you know, Donnie from Doylestown slamming on the on the uh, on the steering wheel. Like, Colin, shut up about the Big Ten. You don't know what you're talking about. You know, don't talk. Don't mess with my my Penn State team. So I'm sorry, Donnie, in advance, I've stopped talking. I'm going to send it to Jay Brad. We're going to be rating public transportation. What is public transportation do you like, do you enjoy uh, the most, starting with five down to one? Jay Brad, you're up. All right. So starting with five, you got the good old tram car, um, you know, at the boardwalk. Watch the you tram know, some car, people, please. Some people don't like the – yeah, watch the tram car, please. It drills it into your head. It's a good marketing scheme, you know, to use the tram car. So I got to go tram car five. Number four, a ferry, nice little ferry. Maybe put your car on it, you know. Don't have to drive as far. It does it for you. You just got to put the car over water. They do it all for you. You get to enjoy the ride. Um, number three, just a classic Uber. You know, you can't go wrong with an Uber. I mean, I guess you can go wrong with an Uber depending on what kind of Uber you get. Um, but just simple. Um, and number one, or number two, excuse me, I have a train. Being from Lancaster, we have the Lancaster train station. Um, right around the corner for me down the street. So it's pretty easy for me to get places. And then I'm going to see, this is a thing. Whenever I edit these clips, it's terrible for me. Cause I always have to listen to Jack like twice or more than that when I'm editing these clips. So it's hard. So if he can spin some things around with Gatorade bottles, I'm going to spin some things around. All right. So number one, I got the horse and buggy. It's not a, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not a public transportation for a lot of people, but we do have tourists who do use, um horse and buggy rides around lancaster so it's it's always cool to see that but number one for me is a horse and buggy as public transportation representing lancaster pennsylvania so some people are going to say that stinks i think it's creative now if jack said it i would have said it was a bad one but yep. you are from lancaster it makes sense love it jay brad thank you for joining the count top show for the first time too by the way jack what do you have my friend Listen, I'm not going to lie. I struggled coming up with a list. I had like four set ones and I'm like sitting there. I'm texting J.A. too because we're talking about just like planning stuff. I'm like, what are my five transportation ones? He gave me one on this list. That's good. So number five, I have the bus. I mean, I'm not a big fan of this, like the SEPTA bus or anything. I hate being stuck behind them while I'm driving. So they're not my favorite. Number four, I've got the subway. It's not clean. It gets you where you need to be very fast, very efficient. That like a New York City subway, like that is... It's definitely interesting being in one, but the transportation-wise, it's very efficient. Three, I have a train, especially if it's got Wi-Fi. A train with Wi-Fi is golden. Number two, I have the bird scooters. Do you know what a bird scooter is, Colin? I do, Jack. I was making sure. They were all over the place in downtown Charlotte when we were down there for training camp. I didn't have a chance to use one, but I just know I would absolutely love one of those. And then number one, again, controversial number one, walking. I'm a big walking guy. I love walking everywhere. Walking is accessible. It's free. That is my, I'm a big walking guy. Like I would, if I could, like, that's why I want to live in the city. It's just walking block to block to block. Like I'm reliable if my two feet gets me exactly where I need to be there when I need to get there. So now we're going to have to rate modes of 
travel via foot because that's not public transportation, Jack. It's Walking, free. It's, but that has nothing to do with it. Public transportation is not free. Sometimes it is, but nothing's free. You pay for it in your taxes or whatever you pay for, whatever that may be. Jack, next time we rate modes to get around by foot, walk, run, jog, sprint, skip, that will be in there. But again, Jack Connell, what? J-Rad, I feel bad. Make him edit this clip. Yeah, I have to do, hear his voice like 20 times because I have to go in back, edit some things, you know, make put some pictures on the screen. I have to hear this 20 times for one. for one. So you get to hear it only one. Do I need to talk? I think I need to toss somebody under the bus here because I'm willing to stick by one. I'm, I'm willing to, I'm willing to stick by one. The person that put it in my head is J.A. J.A. is the one who brought up walking. And I'm like, you know what? That's a perfect number one. So I what? stand by it. If he jumps off the bridge, I mean, you jump off the bridge behind him. I, listen, he planned my head. I'm like, that's perfect. I mean, that's what we do at Non For Long Media here. We're a family, baby. But, I mean, hey, listen. Jack. Uh, you know what? It's good, though. It's good banter. Because the women's across community is going to be after you again, which I love. It's great. Holy, they're not, I would be shocked if they weren't attacking me for something. Public transportation. Of all the things you say, you say walking. All right. I'm going to give my list. So, uh, I'm going to put... Uh, Number five, the subway, right? People may hate on the subway, but I do like how it takes you around. If you know how to get around on it, it you know, drops you here one place. Five minutes later, you're down here, especially if you get on the express rail. Love the subway. Two, Jitney, right? If you're down the Jersey Shore, Jitney is a fantastic mode of public transportation. They just have one in Cape May now that actually loops around the whole island. So you can hop on that and pop around to different places. That's really nice. Number three, the monorail. Not traveled as much. But in some cities, they have it. Uh, you know, we get the train kind of above ground, above city situation, um, you know, popular in like a Disney type thing or like an airport. You see that. So love me a monorail. Number two, I'm going to go with the ferry. The ferry's great. I take the Cape May Lewis ferry quite a bit um, between Cape May, New Jersey and Lewis, Delaware. You can pull your car on there. You can pull your camper on there. You can walk on there. You can bike on there. There's food, there's drinks. It's a pretty cool thing. Up for the bar of the week could be the Cape May Lewis Ferry. They have live bands on it, and it goes, you know, an hour and a half between Cape May and Lewis, Delaware. So I love a ferry. And then number one is the train. If you're on an Amtrak train and, you know, you could be on Wi-Fi, you're hanging out, just the way to, tra uh, to travel on a train can't be beaten. It's, it's calm. It's relaxing. Uh, you could take a nap. You can do a lot of different things. You get to point A to point B. You can have a couple of cocktails. You can enjoy yourself. It's safe. So I'm going to go with the train. So subway, jitney, monorail, ferry, and then number one, a train. So any comments from you, Jay Brad, because now you're trusted uh, in this, unlike Jack. No, you had two of mine on your list, uh, the ferry and the train. So can't go wrong there. Uh, Jack's list. It was okay. I like Jack's list, but then the walk-in kind of threw me off, and now I'm just mad. So thanks, Jack. Um, but, yeah, that, those are my thoughts on those two lists. Before we set up uh, a new segment that we're going to be doing here at Not For Long Media that I'm really excited about, I want to talk about our friends over at SeatGeek, guys. SeatGeek, can't beat it. 20 bucks off any order, $50 or more. Tickets these days, everybody know. They're expensive. That's just the way of our world. So get a couple of tickets to a Phillies game, get that 20 bucks off, bring that price down a little bit. Use promo code Colin Thompson, C-O-L-I-N-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N. My full name, no space, pop it in there. 20 bucks off your order to any tickets, concerts, those summer concerts can't beat them. I know Jack in the back definitely was a, you know, 
Susquehanna Bank or whatever it's called now back in your day, Jack's running around the watching John Mayer, you know, saying your body is a wonderland or something like that. Or maybe that was just me when I was in ninth grade. But that's either here nor there. Uh, pop the code in, Colin Thompson, SeatGeek, guys. Check them out. Awesome events coming up. Football season's here. Baseball season's at full swing. So concert season, like I said, the summer can't beat it. So SeatGeek, check it out. Promo code Colin Thompson. Okay, so we have a new segment here. And it hit me the other day. I'm sitting on bus four. And what bus four is, is the fourth bus on the, you know, eight bus brigade that you take to the stadium or you take to the team hotel or you take from the airport to the hotel or whatever that may be. And when you play football or you're part of, you know, any sport, you you have a you have a list. They give you like your hotel room key and they give you like your bus you're on or your seat number on the plane. So I'm, you know, I'm not a starter in the NFL. I'm not a starter on our team. So I'm on bus four. Right. It just happens like that. I think one's and all. I don't know how it all bl blends together, but you have a mix of like coaches and players on the bus. Like bus one is like starters, right? Guys that are like starting the game. So in college, I think I was on bus one or two sometimes. Like later in my career, right? But early in my career, I was like bus eight, bus 10. So a lot of people put like high ranking tiers of the people that like you support or you like or, you know, hey, someone who's been with us and not for long media for a long time, they're a bus oneer. They're a bus one type person. You know, they, they've been with us. They're high ranking on our list. And I'm going to fill a bus and we're going to continue to fill buses. That will all be bus one with a weekly person of choice from me. And then moving forward, anybody who comes on our show, they'll pick somebody who they think is a bus one member that deserves it because of their actions, whether they're a great player, they're, they had a great moment, whether they did a, a cool thing off the field, you know, philanthropically, whether you know, there's a coach that you liked that, you know, got into a fight with, you know, another coach. Uh, and you think that guy, you have respect for those people, you know, somebody you have respect with respect for could be a fan of the show, fan of you. So there'll be a bus one person. So like, I, I really got it. Cause I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, I think we need to like give people respect, give people do for what they do in this business. Instead of like, you know, the person of the week, we're going to do this. I got it because, you know, busting with the boys, they're a Barstool podcast. They have a they're the number one, you know, Barstool football show. And they like rank people like tier talks, tier one, tier two, tier three fans. So if you're a bus one person with not for long media, you're following us on social media, you're supporting what we're doing, you're subscribing to our you know, our um, you know, our YouTube, you're involved in what we're doing. So shout out to all the bus one people that listen every week. It's been great adding some Panthers fans. I know I've seen some people reach out. You guys are bus oneers. Thank you guys for your support. All my friends family, all of you guys, friends and family who listen, we support you. Our team, we, we, we thank you and our team here at Not For Long Media. Thanks you. So if there's someone who comes into mind here, that's a bus one type person for you guys, let you know, let me know throughout this. Cause I'm about to go on another rant here, but, and let me pull this up. Of course I took it down like a dope, but there was a fight last week in the premier league. Okay. And it was not between players. It was between coaches Thomas Tuchel and I hope I'm saying that right the Chelsea head coach and Antonio Conte the Tottenham head coach got into a scuffle an absolute scuffle during the game first off Tottenham scores and Conte kind of turns and like goes crazy towards the Ch Chelsea bench and approaches the coach a little bit but staying in his restricted area and the Chelsea coach got fired up and went out a little bit right little confrontation they got split up but a great goal Tottenham ended up drawing Chelsea after being down I think two goals 
and then they won again. So I will continue to wear my Tottenham hat when things are going well, and I will continue to wear my Philly shirt when things are going well. I'm a bandwagon Phillies fan. I admit it. And I am now watching them all the time now. Go Phils. So Chelsea scores. Tuchel, I think his name is, comes running down, and he goes crazy. They're at Chelsea. He comes running out of his like kind of restricted area. I think he got suspended for a game. He got fined for it. But what makes them bust oneers is how they handled this off the field. So first off, right, Conti's kind of poke, poking fun and making jokes like we wouldn't fight. This is what people do, competitive. Like I would take him in a fight. Tuchel's saying the th same thing. But I think the thing about Tuchel that I respected, again, I'm like a Tottenham fan who's like ready to watch this Chelsea press conference and hate this guy even more because at the end of it, they had a real aggressive handshake and they both wouldn't let go of their hands and they kind of got in a tussle. The players came over. It got a little chippy was the Chelsea coach at the end, like this is two coaches fired up, loved their team, passionate about the players, loved the city. Again, was all about the passion and all about the players. And I thought that was really cool that they are just defending their guys and they're doing everything they can and they're just fiery people that are competitors. And this won't be the last time two coaches get fiery with each other because we love our job and we care about our players. And I love that. Again, does a media person love it? No, because it's not like, hey, screw that guy, right? That's what the, the media people want you to say. That's what we kind of want you to say, right, so we can talk about it. But I'm bringing it to light, and that's what making them a bus one type guys is. Tuchel and Conti, they're going to be on our bus. You're going to see a graphic come out. We'll have a picture of a bus, and we're going to have their two heads kind of on the side of it uh, because they're bus one guys to me. They're guys that are, you know, lions, people that, you know, I want to be one in my bus, my bus one, my starter. Um, so – Tuchel and Conti are our first bus one guys. Jack, what do you think of the bus one, man? What are your thoughts on it? I honestly love the idea. I mean, it's so unique. Everybody had, like you said, everybody kind of has their tiers, their Mount Rushmore's. Or it's a definitely a unique one that doesn't, like you said, like the bus can be ever expanding. Like you never can leave anybody out. Like everybody who is should be, should be up there is included. I think it's a great kind of way, just a great play on words and a great way to honor everybody that like you said that deserves it. So yeah, I'm all for it. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. And, you know, you work for the pod, so you have to say positive things. So I appreciate that. But I do appreciate, and you know this, I appreciate your opinion. So, yeah, I I, I like it. I think bus one, it's going to grow. It's not, you know, Mount Rushmore. Everybody has that. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, who do you think is on the Mount Rushmore or Philadelphia Sports Talk Radio? Go. <laughs> Brian Dawkins, Chase Huntley. All right. So, um, Jay Brad, so are you all Philly sports buddy being a Lancaster? Yeah, I am. I had to choose. So I was like in that weird spot where it was like Steelers, Eagles. There's an occasional, you know, garbage Dallas fan. You know, we have some few Dolphins. We have a quite a, we have like five Dolphins fans in Lancaster. It's weird. I know five Dolphins fans. So, I mean, respect out down to Miami. Um, but growing up, my dad, you know, liked Philly sports. So he, I kind of just got thrown into it. And I'm happy to be a, a Philly sports fan. Um, so, yeah. Are you happy to be a Philly sports fan, Jack? Sometimes. It depends on the day. <laughs> uh, gosh, here we go. Okay, folks, before we get to the bar of the week, again, our friends at SeatGeek, promo code Colin Thompson, 20 bucks off your tickets to a game, concert, event. Psalm Sleep, promo code Colin, C-O-L-I-N. SeatGeek is Colin Thompson, full name. Psalm Sleep is Colin, first name. Wealth Advisory Services, if you don't know them, you should. Unbelievable. They're great first-class approach to managing your wealth. Great people. Fudge Kitchen, shipping fudge across the country. And then the bar of the week, folks. Again, I appreciate everybody who's been doing it in on this. I had someone ask me today, a friend, say, 
these part of the weeks, like, do people send them to you or like, what's the deal? I'm like, no, these are all places I just have been to multiple times. <laughs> and then someone's like, oh, I know what you do when you're off day now. No, no, no. I, I think I have a pretty good balance, especially during the season. But I do like to travel. I do like to see a lot of things. And I've been very blessed to be able to do that at a young age, at a, you know, as in my 20s now to travel and do different things and see different things. It allows me to rate to, you know, enjoy in some um, adult beverages, 21 and older folks. And, uh, you know. Uh, hang out and go to some cool places and, and some of them are bar restaurants so the bar of the week this week is the red bar in Grayton beach florida this place is incredible when it comes to the ambiance when it comes to just how cool the inside of this place is it's a five out of five and we're going to get to the rating system in in a minute but the place actually burned down but they've kept they rebuilt it the same exact way and it's incredible. They have everything is red. All the lights inside are red. And it kind of sounds funky, but when you go in there, it's such a cool vibe. It's a very kind of like New Orleans-y vibe, like a lot of stuff on the wall, a lot of neon signs, a lot of really cool pictures. They have great music. It's cozy. Like they have like a little couch around the band, and they have all these like tables that are kind of tight, and they kind of pack you in. Then you wrap around to the bar, and there's like windows between the bar and the restaurant, kind of like it was like a house at one point of time. And the bar is super cool. Great service. They have an outdoor area in the back. They have a little side seating area, and they have a, it. Just it's just a really cool, well laid out place, and a lot of history where a lot of people have gone to. Vince Vaughn has been there. You know, all the military members that are kind of up there in the panhandle, they all go there. So all their like helmets and you know call signs and stickers and patches are all over the place. So it's kind of a one stop shop for just a really good time when you want to sit and eat and have like a family meal, or go sit at the bar and have a good time, watch a game. It's great. And you have like kind of no service on area too, which makes it really kind of cool and kind of the end of the spot. So the bar of the week this week is the red bar in Grayton Beach, Florida, right down the street from Shungoli, which we had a couple weeks back. So cold beer and drinks, it's a four to five. Cold beer, it's great. And they have make awesome cocktails. TVs, again, not a bar you're going to to watch games, but they have big enough TVs to go and watch a game and have a good time. So I'm going to give it a three out of five. Ambiance and food, five out of five. They have a short menu. They come out literally with a chalkboard. There's like six things on it. That's it. And like two appetizers. And you pick from those seven things. They're great. The fish dip, the pasta, the fish. Everything is tremendous. Absolutely love what they do there. So four to five on the cold beer, three out of five on the TVs, five out of five on the food and ambience. And then the service is awesome. The bartenders, the servers, such a cool place. So another solid score, Jack. Jack was wondering where, you know, when we're going to start dipping another 17 out of 20 on the CT show scale. In Creighton Beach, Florida, the Red Bar is your bar of the week. So another seventeen out of twenty, Jack. I'm impressed. I mean, I mean, we we've been keeping them consistently high. I know you said you only like to review the best of the best bars, so I'm I'm appreciating the the tough score because we know every bar you're bringing on here is a good bar. That's all we do, Jack. It's good bars and good restaurants. So, uh, Jay, Brad, anything before you roll here after your first episode of the CT Show? Uh, I'm just happy to be here. Go birds. I know Colin oh, will love that. Go birds, you know, just uh, so but, uh, go birds. <laughs> but, but anyways, uh, I was happy to be happy to be here. I'm always all behind the scenes editing. So it's been cool to be like live, you know, seeing it live and trying to think in my head of how I'm going to edit these now in real time, not after the fact. So, um, and I have to hear Jack again about his transportation, like five more times after this. So I'm looking forward to that. We're going to rank public transportation. Okay, how about walking? Yeah. It's, a public, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's available to everybody. So. 
That's Jack Connell. I'm Colin Thompson. That's Justin Bradley. Another episode of the Colin Thompson Show. We're going to send over to Brandon Zilcher, one of my favorite teammates, toughest guys, great person, great player uh, I've ever played with. Thank you to all our sponsors, and we're going to send it over to the Brandon Zilstra episode. All right, we're here live at Wofford College at training camp again, checking in. Uh, we've had some awesome interviews so far, and we get to have uh, the great Brandon Zilstra join us today. How you doing, B? Fantastic. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have Zill in the building, someone I have a ton of respect uh, for, someone that we've uh, try to have on the pod, and it's great to finally have you here. Zilstra's had an amazing story, uh, and we're going to get into that. But I think we have to start off the jump. Take us back to Buffalo week 15, 16 right last about year, there, yeah. where you're going through your normal warm-up. Brandon plays wide receiver in the NFL. He plays major roles on special teams in the NFL, and all of a sudden, Chase Blackburn walks into our locker room and says, can anybody kick? Zane got hurt in warm-ups. Can you take us through kind of your pre-practice, some of your cool pre-practice routines that you've kind of built up over the years, and then the moment where you're like, okay, my routine has now changed and I need to go kick a football in warm-ups to see if I can still do it? Yeah, it was a pretty standard practice routine, you know, getting out there. I like to, you know, just kind of walk around for a little bit, get acclimated to everything, um, you know, just catch some footballs. Um, everything was pretty standard that day. Uh, we get into the locker room after, like, our first initial warm-up. Uh, Coach Blackburn walks in and is like, I need somebody who kicked in college or high school. Anybody, anybody. And I was just like, sure, I did it. He's like, all right, we need you for uh, tryouts quick. And so it was me, F Frankie, and PJ and PJ and uh, we all went out there and he's just like I was I need all I need you to do is just go squib it as hard as you can so I kicked one he's like <laughs> good enough you're in um, so that was it one take did anybody else kick kickoffs I think Frankie tried one I, PJ I don't think he even ever tried one maybe he did but it was so, yeah it was honestly as quick as that because like obviously never kicked in college high school uh, the only reason that I did kick off was because our kicker got hurt. So it was honestly like the same situation where I ended up kicking off for probably more than half the year. Um, and what's super nice, and this is kind of why Chase wanted me there as well, is nobody blocks a kicker. So back in high school, I remember I would kick off and be the first one down there to go make a tackle. Because, I mean, who's, who's going to block a kicker? And so You're not a part of the kicking scheme. Literally, A, who's going to block your kicker? Nobody. Unless you're me and you miss a block, and then you implant <laughs> Graham Gano into the sideline after a whistle and somehow not get fined. That was a very sketchy moment for me. But I thought I was going to lose my paycheck that week. <laughs> uh, have you been fined in the league? I have not yet. Have you been warned? Not even warned. Like, as far as, like, jerseys, jersey fines and stuff, I'm about as simple as they come for that very reason. I was just like, you know, it's super hard to earn this paycheck. I'm not going to do anything dumb to lose it. So I'm your very standard, prototypical, you know, create a player without adding any swag on my body. I keep it I keep everything very simple. You do. You play with plenty of swagger. So what what Brandon's alluding to is we have to have socks that are that cover our ankles. We have to have, you know, certain things that we have to wear to cover things up, tucked in, everything has to be done right. And then after warm ups equipment staff comes in and says, Hey listen, you were flagged, you were flagged, you were flagged. If you decided not 
to do it, then you could get fined. You will be fined for what you did during the game. And the fines aren't something something small either. It's it's enough to lose a full paycheck over. Yeah. So. so we're talking ten, fifteen, twenty thousand per se. Now, Not worth it. When I was talking about fines, with Brandon was more of, you know, maybe you put your helmet, the helmet by accident could cost you fifteen grand, like stuff like that. You know, it's part of the fine system in the league, and we sign on it, and we all know about it. It's not like it's a surprise thing, or anybody's trying to really screw us over. It's just kind of a part of the game, protecting players. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say. So when Coach Rivera was here, it was my first year, two thousand nineteen. Uh, that was the game we played out in London, and uh, one of the, one of the teammates we had a bet. He's just like, I bet you won't do a backflip. So like we're we're kneeling, we're winning the game, and I I would go out there for the kneel, you know, to be the far back guy. And he's like, I bet you two hundred dollars you won't do a backflip. And I was like, okay. So at the end of the game, the, we snapped the ball, kneeled it, they blew the whistle, and I did a backflip to like celebrate. And uh, like every some people saw, some people did, but they thought it was kind of funny. Well, I walk into meetings like the next Monday morning, and Coach Rivera hands me um, a letter. And he's just like, he's like, did your uh, agent talk to you? And I was like, no, about what? He's like, you were fined by the league. And I said, for what? He's just like, doing that backflip. And so we open up meetings. He's just like, um, I don't know if any of you guys saw, maybe you guys did see, but uh, we, you know, we had somebody on the team who, uh, did, uh, what, I can't remember what it was, but like it was an, an official letter with the NFL stamp and like a, a signature, a printed out signature, and it said like, under code, blah blah blah, you were misconduct of, blase blase, and uh, but it was just a big joke to him. So he like played the clip and everything, and then uh, you know at the end of it said he was joking, but that that was pretty funny because I was just like they're really fining me for that. I, I think it was like five k he fined me for, but. Um, I don't know. That was just something that was super funny that Coach Rivera did. That's a great. That's a great joke. Still have that letter. Yeah, I was gonna say you got to keep that letter. I've I have a couple. Got that I've got a couple letters that I got cut from, and that's the hardest pill to swallow. Where it's like literally they have to give you a letter legally of what you got cut, and it's like unsatisfactory performance, and you're like, man. Even though like on the phone they're like, hey, listen, like uh, we're making the move for personnel, or which is 50% of it, right? Like whatever it may be. If you're getting shuffled off in, an, in a practice squad, or you're getting shuffled on a practice squad or an active roster. I saved all those letters for sure. Let's go back to Buffalo though. So from my perspective, the week before that, I think, or two weeks before that, I got put on the practice squad. And I remember Chase coming in the locker room and I'm like, just hanging out, it's freezing cold. I'm like sipping on hot chocolate, like I'm not doing anything. I'm just literally waiting for the game. And he comes in and then I'm a couple guys like go running out to warm up, you're one of them. So I'm like, I cannot miss this. I'm not missing this. It's snowing. We're in Buffalo. It's such a cool environment to play, first off. And then we're going to see a kicking competition. So I saw everyone kick field goals. PJ goes up and toe blows it. <laughs> yes. And he was horrible with it. And they kept showing that clip. But after that, he made like a 30-yarder. You made a decent one. Who else kicked? Was they just you two? I, I think Frankie might have tried one, too. It was horrible. All of us were just spraying left, spraying right, dribbling off the thing. Like, it was it was ugly. Yeah, it was ugly. And it was cold, too. But that's why it worked for you, probably, because in high school, you, cooked, you, you kicked in cold weather. Now, can you take us through how do you do with the game? Because it's one thing to, like, kick and warm so but all of a sudden, like, you're on national TV, you're lining up to kick off, and then cover. Honestly, I had zero pressure. Like, as a receiver, nobody has expectations of me to kick well or anything. So, like... I thought it was something just super fun to do. And I always joke around with uh, Coach Chase all the time, um, telling him, I was just like, hey, I'm an athlete now. I can, do, I can do it all. I can do whatever. I was like, just put me somewhere. And that's why you see me long snapping. That's why you see me holding. Um, I've returned kicks in the NFL. I've returned punts in the NFL. 
you know, caught passes, thrown passes, and now kick. So it's just something to add to the resume. Wow. That's since, big time. Since that day, how like have you practiced kicking since then, just in case? No. <laughs> no, I think I think that was a one and done, probably in retirement now. Let's hope so. Um, unless the, yeah, the situation were to ever come up again, you know, it's on my resume, so maybe I'll get the call up, but no, I'll probably leave that to Johnny Hecker now. It's a good point. Yeah. Do, do you want to? I want to take it way back though. I want to go back to D two and D three college football. Um, in, in D three football, first of all, I didn't realize that they don't give scholarships for D three athletes, do they? No. So you're paying for your entire tuition back then, right? Yeah. Not only that, I was just telling somebody this in the locker room the other day. Um, I was a dual sport athlete. I also did track for two years in college, and I had to pay for my own track jersey. No. Yeah. With like the school name on it that you had to yeah. pay for that. Yeah. That's that's the life of a D three athlete. Concordia, baby. Oh yeah. It was like the the prospect of going into debt something that you weighed heavily back then? Like I, I want to play football, but also I have to pay for it. Um, so like originally coming out of high school, to me that wasn't anything. Obviously, you know they talk about scholarships and stuff, and I always wanted to be a Division One athlete. Um, never really had any opportunities, didn't ever have any phone calls for the Division One. But when I got to Division Two, you know you learn a little bit about scholarships. But for me, it was more about pride. I was just like, you know, I want the biggest scholarship I can, you know, to prove I belong here prove what I fit in with these guys and whatnot. And so I had a half ride to Augustana, my first college, and then, you know, switching to D3, um, it's not something I thought about until I was actually there, and then you see the amount of debt you rack up, and by the time you're done, yes, if I were to go back, I would have maybe done something different um, as, far, as far as trying to find scholarships or, you know, do something, because, you know, when you, when you step off campus, like, that number was hefty. Yeah. Now you went from D2 to D3. What happened there? So I started out at Augustana Division II College in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, we had a super good team and everything. Um, honestly, that, that's where I learned my, like, my greatest deal of patience. If I would have stayed there, um, I, I think the transition to the league would have been much easier. It was a spread offense. I would have got a ton of looks. Um, we had a super good quarterback. The, the team I was with ended up being super good, but in that time, um, I was just very impatient. I, I kind of felt like disrespected. I felt like I should have been playing. There was a game in particular that essentially like made my decision. We were, uh, we were out in Wayne State, Nebraska, and we had a couple of receivers go down. And so assuming I'm the next person up, but instead of putting me up, you know, I was a redshirt freshman at the time, but instead of putting me up, they put a tight end out at receiver. And at that point, I'm just like, dude, why don't these guys trust me? Because I'm hearing, you know, constant reviews from players and some of the coaches that, you know, I'm not sure why you're not playing. And I had those conversations with my receivers coach, my offensive coordinator, head coach, about, you know, what I can do to play, what I can do to help this team more. Because I felt like I could have, I could have done more than what I was doing. And uh, at that time, or after that season, you know, because that that kind of started the whole transfer process to me. I was just like, man, I I just want to play football. I don't want to. I don't want to sit here anymore. You know, football's not fun watching from the sidelines. I want to be active. I want to be involved. And um, that year, the entire coaching staff got wiped out. So they're bringing in somebody new. Mm -hmm. I had, you know, we had what 34 people in our recruiting class, and I think there was 15 of us left. Um, and by the time you know, I decided I wanted to transfer um, with the new head coaching staff coming in and whatnot. So I, again, I just wanted to play ball. Mm -hmm. um, I think maybe eight out of my class graduated out of there. Um, a lot of people transferred wow. out. That's, that's such a unique story and such a unique grind. When you went down to Division Three, right now you're in the NFL and you, and you, you, know, you say, you know, I look back and 
you know, how were you handling that situation? Because there's an ego involved in it. Even for me, when I was at Florida and I transferred to Temple and I was medically disqualified and I got to Temple and I was like, man, I can play with these guys. Like, I played at Florida. I played against the best defensive ends and best backers. And I played against the best defense in the country at one point every day in practice. And now I'm going to Temple. Like, I should be able to do well. And then all of a sudden your ego sets in and then you get your ass kicked by people that, you know. So it was just a whole thing, like, for me mentally. That was a really tough time for me. The transfer process, going from palm trees to, you know, Philly, mm -hmm. from now my now wife, but, you know, dating my girlfriend at the time, leaving that, like, socially, like, how was that for you? Was that a challenge or was that something you embraced or it was a clean cut and you're ready to move on? So for me, the reason I tra ended up transferring to Concordia, and honestly didn't even look anywhere else, because in my whole recruiting process in high school, um, the only the only D3 I ever visited was Concordia, and the only reason is because my brother went there. Um, he went for a defensive end, um, and I had a ton of ton of my friends from my high school were either at that college or in that area. There's three colleges around there, and so I was very familiar with the area. And I honestly like because I, I knew the head coach, you know, just from my brother going there. Um, he had came to our home a few times to like visit my brother and myself, and so I kind of had a relationship there. And so I just knew that the transition from Augustana to Concordia was going to be super easy. And so when I decided I wanted to transfer, I didn't honestly even look anywhere else. I just called, um, his name is Terry Huran, called him up and just like, yo, you still got a spot for me? He's like, yeah, absolutely. He's like, get down here. And so uh, it was honestly as simple as that. Um, yeah, no really ego involved in it because um, I was never about, cause I, again, I just, I just wanted to play ball. I've always loved ball. Um, I've always felt like I could do more than what I was ever portrayed to do. I felt like I was always kind of underrated in a sense. And it wasn't ever about like proving other people wrong, proving coaches wrong or anything. It was always just like proving myself right. Because I was like, I know I can play this game at a high level. You know, let's, let's go show, not, I guess not show people, show myself, prove to myself that, you know, I can do this. And so that's, that's more about what it was for me. You've talked about like getting the, the transition and the experience at the college level and how that would help you prepare for the next level. You, I think you said the D2 probably would have been a little bit better for that. When you did make the transition from college to pro ball, coming from a D3, did you guys run a triple option? Yes. So, I, I was reading that. Did that. Do you think that put you at like behind the eight ball when you moved to the next level just from that system you were in? Honestly, like I've told other people, I think I literally put myself about as low as you can go. You know, being a D3 athlete, running a triple option where I might see anywhere from, you know, three to five balls a game. Um, so my stats were never as, you know, as good as they could have been. Um, I complained to my coaches. I still have a super good relationship with my, uh, my OC from college. Um, I still tell him all the time when I talk to him, I'll say, hey, you need to feed me the ball more. And he goes, Brandon, I know, I know. But hey, that's great, though. I mean, at the end of the day, like, really, it's funny because you probably developed a lot of the roles that you're in now in the NFL. Obviously, you can get open. You've caught balls in this league. You played on special teams. You had to block a ton in that offense. And now, all of a sudden, you find yourself in the league and, like, you have those tools already in your tool belt. It's such a cool thing. All right, so the triple option, you're not getting a, a ton of, you know, footballs your way. My senior year in college, I caught three passes and a two-point conversion. <laughs> They don't count that as a caught pass, so I <laughs> like do. to throw that yeah. in there. If I say four passes and people fact check me, they say, no, you only caught three. So, but when did the NFL come knocking for you? Did it ever really knock? You know, I, I know your story, but, you know, I wanted to get it to our audience the best way possible. When did the NFL come knocking, and then when was the first opportunity? Um, so that was, um, you know, I decided at a super young age that I always wanted to play in the NFL. Um, I never really told people about it. You know, I told my mom when I was younger. Mm -hmm. um, 
And it was funny because I kind of have a story about that too. Because I remember telling my mom, I must have been fifth grade maybe. Um, I stayed late after practice one day, um, fifth and sixth grade tackle football. And when she came and picked me up, I got in the car and I was just like, Mom, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be an NFL player. I'm, I'm going to play in the NFL. And to this day, she still tells me the story. We still laugh about it. But she, she said something like, probably not something a mom should say, but she was just like, oh, that's great, honey, but let's think of something a little bit more realistic. And oh. I, was just, I looked at her and I was just like, don't tell people what they can and can't do. And so that's something that, a story that we still tell each other and we still kind of laugh about to this day. It's funny, too, to cut you off. My mom and I have had the same conversations. And my mom's not better than your mom. Your mom's a wonderful <laughs> lady. But my mom said, yes, son, you can do whatever you put your mind to. Yep. And, and you had that same, you know, the same mantra. But I thought it was funny. I've had the same conversation with my parents at a young age. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to share it with people because everyone thinks you're crazy. Yes. You're not going to make it. Mm-hmm. There's no way. And now Brandon and his brother both play in the NFL. Yep. So that's really cool stuff. But continue your story or any thoughts on that. Yeah, so like um, it was really like my sophomore year of college. I was just like, you know, I'm going to make an NFL push. And then, you know, as the years got, um, you know, my junior and my senior year, um, everything just became a little bit more realistic to me of, I was just like, I don't know what I want to do after college. Like, why not go try to play football? Like, I don't, I don't want a real job, as I say. Like, I want to keep playing this game. Um, and I just want to see how far I can take this thing. Because like I said, I've always felt like I can do more than I've ever been portrayed to do. Um, be better than people see me or whatever. And I just, I just always want to prove myself right and see how good I could actually become. And so uh, after my senior year of college, my, my quarterback my junior year, I was with him for two years, he went off to the GFL. He was in GFL too. Um, he did it really just to travel. Um, he enjoyed playing the sport too and didn't really know what he wanted to do. So I'm just like, I'm gonna go explore Germany. Um, so he played over in Germany and ended up winning the championship, was MVP of the league and whatnot. And he's just like, you know what? I wanna see what I can do too. And so he found a quarterback coach by the name of Rudy Carpenter um, out of Phoenix, Arizona. And he moved down there to start training with him. And after I graduated, because I graduated in December of 15, um, I hit him up and I was, he was just like, yo, come train with me down here. You know, I got a quarterback coach. I got a gym we can work with. He's just like, let's go chase this thing. And I was like, cool. So I literally just threw all my stuff in my car, drove down there, 24 and a half hour drive. I was going to say, how long is that drive? 24 and a half hour drive, made it in 26. Really? I stopped to stretch, fill up with gas and eat. Otherwise, I drove straight because I was just like, dude, I just want to get there. I don't want to. And I also didn't have money to stay in hotels and stuff. So like. For those at home, this is really what the NFL looks like. Half the NFL is undrafted, so this is really what it looks like. Yeah, so I I ended up going down there, and me and him, honestly, just our life was training and grinding and just trying to network and stuff because I didn't have an agent. So I'm doing all this on my own, and we'd spend the day. We'd spend, like, the morning training maybe, and then when we had some downtime in, like, the afternoon, I would literally sit on the computer um, just from talking with people out in Arizona, um, just training with different people, you, I developed like a little network of emails. It was literally just an email chain list that I accumulated over time. And I made a little athlete resume with my 40 time, statistics, coaches, blah, blah, blah. And would send it out, just email blast people. I do that once or twice a week. Um, I heard a reply from I think three teams ever. But um, we do that. We uh, researched the CFL because I didn't know anything about the CFL. Found out they had tryouts in... There's one in Vegas that we went to, um, then there's three in Phoenix. And so I went to those, and from, I went to four of those 
Yeah, I went to four of those tryouts. Wow. From three of those, had three minicamp offers, and or three contract offers, essentially. And From CFL or NFL? Fr from the CFL. Um, well, the CFL workout, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so then from there, went to like the NFL Regional Combine. So, you know, you pay 250 bucks. I worked at the Cardinals facility. Just put you through a bunch of different um, drills and whatnot. And then all that, you know, led me up to led me up to uh, the draft. Obviously knew I wasn't getting drafted, but tried to watch it anyway and kind of see where everybody else was going. Just in case your name pops up and goes on the screen. <laughs> well, yeah, because again, I didn't, I didn't have cool an agent. I didn't, know, I didn't know what the process was like. And so uh, I should probably backtrack a little bit. Throw, I don't know if you guys know much about the CFL and that whole process, uh, but from those three contract offers I had, Every single one of them, when they when they like sent me the contract or whatever, they're just like, "Don't tell don't tell anybody else we're talking to you. We want to kind of keep this under wraps." And to me, I'm not thinking twice about that. But uh, after I got my third one, I was just like, "Okay, Brandon, you got three contract offers. Let's try to see if I can negotiate myself. Try to get some extra money or something like that. Like, you know, try to bid these people out." And so the first team I called up was Edmonton because they were the last contract to offer me. I was just like, yo, I already have two other contract offers. I was just like, you know, can we talk a little bit? He goes, oh, you do? All right, I'll call you back in five minutes. So he hung up and he called me back and he's like, we just put you on our neg list, which is called a negotiation list. And what that means is they get 22 players they can slot out where they put on this neg list and nobody else can talk to you. So it's like a, it's like a sanctioned whatever. So like a lot of guys you see on there, you might see like a Lamar Jackson, Johnny Menzel, like players that might be big or might not make it in the NFL. They have, like, if they ever want to go play in the CFL, they would have to go to that respective team because they're in that slot. Is Lamar Jackson leaving the NFL? <laughs> Was he? Is he? Yeah. <laughs> not that I know. Oh, I, don't oh. think, I think he's pretty safe. Okay, good. But, like, th you'll see a lot of bigger names on that. Really? Yep. Um, That's crazy. A lot of guys that they will scout in college or they might be Canadian but they know they're going to the NFL or might have a good shot at the NFL, but they're going to claim them anyway, essentially. So even if they're good in the league, it doesn't matter. They're going to just put them on the neg list forever. Just in case. You know, maybe, like, at the end of their career, like, I think, like, Robert Griffin was on there for a really long time. I just remember Johnny Menzel was on there. Um, but you'll, you'll see some bigger names on there. That's cool. That's interesting. Yeah, you think it's cool. But well, I was going to say, it's not, <laughs> let me say this. It sounds, I shouldn't say that's cool. It sounds prestigious. It's interesting. But it sounds a horrible thing for you because now you have no negotiation power. Yes, and so like when they, they told me that, they're just like, if any other team tries to contact you, let us know. And so I had to call the other two teams back and I was like, just to let you guys know, Edmonton put me, put me on their neg list. They're just like, oh, are you serious? <laughs> well, you know, best of luck. Um, you know, if anything ever doesn't work out in the future, just, you know, let us know. And so then essentially what Edmonton did, they're just like, all right, cool. Again, no agent. They're just like, we're gonna send you down a contract. Why don't you sign it and uh, date it, or sign it, we won't date it, and we'll just kind of have it in storage. Because I told them, they're just like, what is your goal? And I said, I wanna play in the NFL. NFL has always been my dream, I wanna play there. It's like, cool, we'll be a good safety net for you, essentially. And I was like, all right, you know, everything sounds good to me. I looked over the contract, I sent it, or uh, went over it with my OC and my head coach. And they're just like, yeah, I mean, everything looks good, let's sign it and fax it back to them. So I did that. I'm thinking everything's straight. Um, you know, a day after the draft is when they bring in all those free agents for like minicamp and whatnot. Mm. So the Vikings call me and they're just like, has any team picked you up yet? And I said, no. They're just like, all right, cool, we want to bring you to minicamp. I'm ecstatic. I'm playing for the hometown team. I understand it's a minicamp tryout. 
but it's more than anything else I had. And so I'm super excited. And, uh, um, you know, all my family and friends are calling me because it's getting pushed out on social medias and whatnot. And then it was the next day the Vikings called back and they said, Brandon, you're under contract with another team. And I said, no, I'm not. And they're just like, yeah, you are. Um, the Edmonton Eskimos um, called us and you're under contract with them, so we can't have you anymore. Oh. And I was just like, no, 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 no. We have a misunderstanding. I was just like, I have a contract with them, but if an NFL opportunity came up, I was going to be able to do that first. They're just like, I don't know what to tell you. You're under contract with them. You can't come here. We're going to take the next guy. And so I am so confused slash, you know, super hot at this time. So I call Edmonton back. They don't return my phone calls. I called the GM, left him a message, called the scout, left him a message, um, you know, kind of going back and forth, trying to figure, it, figure this out. I ended up calling, um, or the scout finally got back to me, and he's just like, oh, no, sorry, we mis had a misunderstanding. We're going to give you, I don't, I don't even remember what it was anymore. That we're going to give you, or we had an agreement that if you got drafted, you were able to go, but if not, you were going to come with us. And I was like, that is not what we said. So I'm going through all my emails, all my voicemails, trying to find you know, confirmation of uh, the conversations we had. But I have nothing to validate my stuff. So I'm sitting, I started calling like different lawyers, trying to get this contract voided. Um, I called the CFL front office trying to get this contract voided because I wanted this NFL opportunity. Um, essentially, what the lawyers are telling me and everything is that there's like, you know, because I did, I get, did get in contact with the agent too. And they're just like, essentially, there's nothing you can do about this. Like, they, they have it. So they, because when they heard I had the Vikings opportunity, they, they dated it, signed it on their end, and put it through. So took my NFL opportunity away, and I was super hot. Um, for you know the next day or two and I just kept thinking I was just like well it's either I never play football again or I go take this two-year deal that I just signed with the, the CFL and when it came down to it I ended up taking that and you know people like my my OC my coaches and everything were they, they were obviously super mad about the situation as well and they're just like how can you go play for a team that did that to you and I was just like dude I have no other choice like I either bite the bullet because I was just like otherwise I'm not playing football anymore and ultimately that's what I want to do I want to play football so I had to swallow my pride mm, you're a better then, man than a lot of people yeah I, I just I don't know I uh, never never really spoke about it again um, really? never never told anybody about well I told a few of my friends from Edmonton that I became really close with about the situation was there beef with like anybody around the building never spoke to anybody about it um, good on you man uh, like at, the, at that point I was like there's nothing I can do and so I was just like I'm not gonna aggravate a situation um, but it's funny because the last day my last day in the CFL you know our exit meeting with our coaches um, I sat down with our head coach. We just had a heartbreaking loss against our um, rivals in the um, the final or the semifinals, the game before the championship up there. And uh, you know, you could tell he's just beat. He's he's kind of emotional sitting in the office. And that was the last meeting of the day. And I sat and talked with him. And we kind of talked about the season and you know how it was and how much he appreciated me and stuff. And I was like, Did you ever even know what happened? How I got up here? And so I ended up telling him that story, and he was in shock. He's like, bro, I had no idea about any of that. He's just like, I can't believe that. You know, good for you to make it through that. I'm so sorry you had to go through that and blah, blah, blah. Because essentially took, potentially, because I don't know what would have happened if I would have went to the NFL right away. But um, And it's a mini camp too. So the difference is I was, so I was an undrafted player, and I signed undrafted. I signed a mm -hmm. 
three-year deal, fourth-year option, your standard undrafted player contract. Brandon got invited to rookie minicamp. So I'm essentially just a camp body there. It's tough. It is the hardest way to make an NFL roster. Victor Cruz is like UMass guy, so he was like local, so they brought him to the Giants. He's like not the most famous one, but he's got to be one of the most recent famous ones. Adam Thielen. Adam so Thielen. He, he went go. through that same exact process, um, being with the Vikings too. So like, that's the comparison I always had. This is like, Did oh, you play against him in college? Adam? No. So he was Division Two. Okay, that's right. Okay, we I always get this screwed up. But you would have played against him at your... No, you wouldn't have. Actually, you know what? I think I did play against him my... Either my red shirt year or my, like, your red shirt freshman year or whatever, the second year. But I remember he was a name to... Because he was, he was really good at, like, punt return um, as well as receiver. And I remember he was one of the key guys on the scouting report. So I think... I don't think I technically ever played against him, but my team, while I was with the team, did. Yeah, he's a piece. I got to meet him this offseason. I know, I know he had an impact on you, too. You spend time in Minnesota, and we're going to get to that. So, CFL, when did that come to an end? How did that finish? Then when did NFL teams start reaching out to you? Um, yeah, so the first year, I ended up only playing you know six to eight games. I think it was six regular season, two playoff maybe, because um, I was on practice roster for the first you know, 13, 14 weeks. Um, when I finally got my shot, I ended up doing pretty well. That gave me a lot of momentum to go into the second year. Um, once the second year hit, um, I was deemed a starter right away, which honestly is not something I really expected, because I actually came into camp with a groin injury, um, working out prior to camp. I told the coaches, I was like, because they had me sitting out for the first couple days, and I was like, yo, I want to make this team. Like, I don't want to be sitting out. I was like, I can push through this thing. Like, it's an injury, but, like, I'm fine. They're just like, Brandon, you proved enough to us last year. Because in the championship game the year prior, uh, I I did my AC joint. I had a grade two sprain on my AC joint, but mm. finished the game and, uh, you know, did, did fairly well in the game. And he's just like, you proved me how tough you are last year. He's like, you just rest your groin. He's like, you're safe, essentially. So I was like, oh, wow, I haven't had this before. I didn't expect this. Um, and so, you know, through that season, I had a really successful second season, which led me um, by the end of it. At, at that time, I'm starting to go through it, the agent process, too, because I still didn't have an agent. Um, and at this point, I had five or six agents contacting me. Um, so I went through kind of all those interviews, narrowed it down. Um, ended up signing with somebody. And at that point, I think that he said we had like 25 teams that were uh, um, in contact with me it's and so number. yeah and so at that point we you know sat down and went over all the rosters um, what they've typically done with CFL players you know what what type of receivers they have on their team what offense they run and try to pick out like the best fix obviously I'm not going to go tw do 25 different workouts and so we narrowed it down to five or six um, it ended up being I went to I went to the New York Jets first Minnesota Arizona Lions, and I think I had a Bears workout, and I ended up um, just canceling that because I had really good uh, reviews from um, the other workouts that I had. Um, the Jets really, really tried really hard to sign me um, in Minnesota, and Arizona was like a close third, but they couldn't match what Minnesota and what um, the Jets were offering. So it was kind of went went back and forth between the Jets and Minnesota, and ultimately. I was just like, man, I want to come back home and play for the hometown crowd. Like, it was always my dream. You know, when I was in preschool, you draw what you want to be when you grow up. And I always, always drew myself in a Minnesota Vikings uniform. Mm. I grew up watching Randy Moss, Chris Carter, 
And so when it came down to it, I was just like, dude, I want to go back to Minnesota because, you know, I've been playing two years up in the CFL. None of my friends or family have been able to see me. So, like, I want to I come back home. And so I ended up signing with Minnesota. You mentioned Adam Thielen. Like, obviously the comparisons are there, but, like, what did you learn from your time with him, around him? Like, what did you pick up from him? I probably learned the most most from him versus any other receiver. I guess I learned a lot. I learned a lot in the CFL. That's where my game grew a lot about just how to be a pro in general, how to take care of your body, how to study defenses and whatnot, because I didn't have that same exposure in the C or in the D Division three level. Um, so Adam was somebody I leaned on a lot, asked a lot of questions. He is an absolute route technician. He's still one of my favorite receivers to watch, um, just how smooth he is, how he can adjust to catch to any ball. Um, I, I, I learned so much from that guy, and I still tell him that uh, we were working out together this offseason. That's something I you know, bring up to him quite frequently. That's he's awesome. A, he's a great dude. I bumped into him at a gym in, uh, in Florida, in the Destin area, and he came walking in. They told me the day before he was training there, and he came walking in, and uh, I'm like, hey, man. you know, It's like creepy because people probably interrupt him for like a picture or an autograph. Mm -hmm. Like, I play for the Panthers. I know Brandon Zilstra. He's like, oh. I know Brandon. He's a stud. So, yeah. so I just was with him. I'm like, all right, cool, cool. I'm one of the. We're but we're friends. Can we be <laughs> friends? No, no. I that. But yeah, he's an absolute stud. He was a great guy, and he probably talked. We probably talked 15, 20 minutes about you know different players in the league and all these different things. And he's just a normal dude. Mm -hmm. He's really normal. Like even the gym owners are like, we have no idea who that is. I'm like, uh, that's one of the best players in the NFL right there. <laughs> I mean, pound for pound. Right. Right. He's for. I mean, he's been playing now for quite some time. He's year nine, year ten, I think. Yeah. And I mean, from probably what year three on, he's been dominant. I don't, mm -hmm. you know, I could be wrong there. Those years, I don't know about those early years. But how long were you in Minnesota? Uh, what was your, you know, practice squad, active roster? How did that all pan out? And then when did you depart? Um, so after training camp with Minnesota, um, I ended up making the team. I was, you know, the fifth out of five receivers. So I was a big special teams roles guy, and you kind of know about that. So I was, I think for game one, I was originally on like two, two different units of the special teams. Um, wasn't seeing a lick of offense, and uh, I just stood right next to my special teams coach for every single game, and it just happened to, somebody had a penalty or somebody got injured, and I was standing next to him, he's like, Brandon, go in. So I ended up playing like a, a right tackle and punt, mm -hmm. and I'm, Never played it before. And so I'm getting picked on by the, the Packers defense, you know, just trying to blow me up, and they were. But <laughs> after that, he uh, moved me to a wing the next week, and I ended up finishing the year at, um, like, right wing or something like that. A few games later, um, it wasn't on kickoff at the time, and somebody didn't go out there for kickoff, and I'm standing right next to him, so I run out there for kickoff. He's like, can you play too? And I was like, yeah, run down the field and go tackle. And he's like, all right, cool, get out there. And ever since then, I never left the field for kickoff. So, like, I kind of finessed my way onto uh, the field a little, little bit. Ended up being a four-core four um, guy. Finished out the year with that. Didn't have too many snaps of offense. It was probably under 40, under 30 maybe even. Um, so I was really just a special teams guy. Um, going into that next year, that, that OTAs, it was, you know, the final three days of minicamp. Ended up tearing my, tearing my MCL with the first pad of practice. And... Um, so I kind of spent that summer rehabbing and stuff. When I got, when training camp came back around, I wasn't quite ready yet. Um, ended up going out. It was, I, I think I sat out like two or three days. Ended up going out there anyway. It wasn't, just wasn't myself. Hadn't, hadn't been training, hadn't been running yet. Um, just felt really weak, felt really slow. 
wasn't performing at my best, kind of fell towards the, de- the bottom of the depth chart. And um, as training camp went on, I get, started to get a little bit stronger and whatnot. And ultimately, I finished out at number five on the depth chart. That year, they decided to keep four receivers. Mm. And so they bring me into their offense, our office, and they're just like, um, you know, we're only going to keep four receivers this year. We want to put you back on practice squad right away. And we're going to try to get you elevated by week one, but we need to see how free agency kind of pans out because we need another corner because we had uh, they had a lot of corner uh, injuries. So they're trying to tell me, you know, we're going to get you try to get you activated right away, but um, only uh, you're you know you're the first guy out right now. And I was just like, cool, you know, if I make it through waivers, I, you know, I'd love to love to come back essentially because I, you know no hard feelings in the NFL like it, it's a business at the same. At, and I understood I wasn't playing to my to my standard anyway, so like I kind of understood understood the situation, and it was pretty crazy because I didn't hear anything. You know, you got a 24 hour waiver period. Didn't hear anything until the 23rd and a half hour. So my agent calls me, he's just like, still haven't heard anything. I was like, well, the Vikings keep calling me, trying to get me to come in to go sign this contract. Should I do that? He kept telling me to wait, wait, wait. And when it came to the 23rd and a half hour, he goes. You know, we still haven't heard anything. Why don't you start heading that way? So it was about 20 minutes away from where I was staying. So I start driving there. I get on the road for five minutes, and somebody texts me and says, uh, it was one of my friends from high school. He's like, I'm not a Carolina Panther fan. And I was like, wait, what? And then my agent called me like a minute later, and he goes, Panthers just picked you up. He's just like, you're headed to Carolina. And I was like, no way. So I took an exit, came back around, went back home, started packing up my stuff, and was on a plane within four hours. You mentioned Coach Rivera earlier. What's your relationship with him? What was it like back then, and what's it like now that he's in D.C.? I absolutely love the guy. Absolutely, I have so much respect for him. Um, he, you know, him taking a chance on me. Because I didn't, I didn't know anything about Carolina. I didn't know anything about the state, the city of Charlotte, uh, although I heard a lot of good things. But um, I was kind of confused of why they picked me up, because I'd never talked to them before. I don't know if they ever asked about me without, when I was in the CFL, so I don't really know where, I'll, where that all kind of came from. Mm-hmm. Um, but coming in from day one, he was just such a player's coach, really took care of his players. Um, he had respect from everybody in the building. He was a fun guy to play for. Um, uh, yeah, so like I, I haven't you know spoke to him too much since, but when we played them, was it last year or two years ago? Uh, when we were in Washington? Two years ago. Two years ago. Year. Yeah. Um, yeah, I made sure to uh, go up to him after the game and I gave him a big hug. And somebody, somebody actually captured captured a picture of that too, and I actually have that, so uh, I, th- I thought it was pretty special to me. But uh, just went up to him, asked how he was doing, um, you know, just kind of thanked him for everything, and it's probably the last time I talked to him. That's great. But, That's great. That, those relationships last forever, though. You know, you'll always be able to reach out to him, and mm-hmm. you know, those type of coaches too. Like I feel the same with Coach Rule. I get to play for him in college, and then you play for Coach Rivera. Obviously, playing yeah, for Coach so Rule cool. now too. Like. The real relationships and those things are what, what make it really special. So let's go back, though, because this is the cool stuff that people don't know about. It's not cool. I keep using the word cool. The interesting things. You turn that car around. You go back to your apartment. Uh, I was staying at a friend's place at the time, yeah. So you were playing in the NFL your first year. I don't know. Probably made whatever. Half of it goes to taxes. I don't know. I don't need to give a number. But a couple hundred thousand. But you were living with a friend at the time? Uh, yeah, so after the season, um, you wait to see if you're gonna make the team, like, yes. So, I, yes. I actually stayed on an air mattress with a friend at one of my friends' places for like two months during it was when OTAs was going on, so two or three months, whatever that was. And then, training camp, you're with a team, 
And then that time after, I had all my stuff and whatnot, and I didn't know what to do. So I just brought it over to a different friend's house and stayed at his place. And my his basement was my bed, all my clothes, uh, whatever else I had at the time. I I'm kind of a minimalist. I didn't have that much, but all my stuff was just scattered in his basement. That's unbelievable, and that's why I want to bring it up because I didn't know, I didn't know the story. Like I didn't, I didn't, I know, I didn't know that story before. I know a lot about your journey, mm -hmm. but I knew there was something to it. So. Did you have your car there? Like, yep. how did you get your car to Charlotte? Uh, so, like, you know how quick of a turnaround some of that stuff is. It's gone. You got to get on a flight right away. There's no like, hey, let me. Uh, I'm going to drive from Minnesota. I'm going to take my time. No, no. It was, that's you start week one the next day. So um, I made it to Charlotte at like nine o'clock that night. Put me up in a hotel, and uh, so that whole time I'm thinking I was just like, I need all my stuff because you know I packed enough for like one bag maybe, maybe two two small bags to make it for a couple weeks. And my friend at the time, he's just like, dude, I'll drive your car down. And I was just like, cool. And so he just threw, he packed as much clothes and whatever he could in the car and he, him and his uh, girlfriend ended up driving it down for me. And it was super, I was super nice, super thankful for them because while they were down here, you know, we're going through practice and I still need a place to live. I'm staying in the hotel for the first week because, you know, they give you a week or whatever it is. I think it's week two weeks. You get, they, they put you up for two weeks and then you got to find your own place. Yep. And so, like, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to figure out this new playbook because it's completely different from anything. It was a number system number versus system. concepts. We've talked about this before on here before. It's, it's very unique. Yeah. It was a completely different and everything is just brand new. You know, special teams has different verbiage and whatnot. So I'm grinding in the playbook trying to figure it out. Um, all while I'm trying to find a place to live. And so I was super thankful because when Jamie, who is now my agent, so that, that could be another fun story, um, him and his girlfriend, while I was at practice, went and did a bunch of research for me and f set up a bunch of tours for me. So as soon as practice was done, we jumped in a car, started driving to all these places and ended up finding a place to stay. And he kind of essentially helped me move in. Tell the Jamie funny story, please. Uh, so, Jamie's my best friend since I was preschool. I think he was one of my very first friends. Um, we've always been super close, always pushed each other, and he's always been my like accountability partner in a sense in life. And in like seventh grade, we talked about, you know, we, we, we want to work together in some capacity in the future. Or it's like, how cool would it be to be a player agent? Uh, player agent, because I always wanted to be in the NFL, he always wanted to be in the NBA. And then um, after going through college and whatnot, decided he wanted to be a D1 coach or an NBA coach. And so he started climbing those ranks, but then ended up meeting Mike McCartney, who is priority sports agent, um, highly respected agent in the business. Not the football coach, the agent. Yes, the agent. Yes. He gets mistaken for that all the time on and he, Twitter. And he always did on Twitter. He's actually a good follow on Twitter. I follow him for that yeah. reason. Um, so he met him in a gym while he was rehabbing his back um, for basketball because he, he played basketball throughout college. And um, they kind of just kept that relationship alive and um, ultimately, they, you know, they kind of talked about, you know, what would it be like for me to get um, into the whole agency thing? Because he's just like, I want to be a basketball agent and Priority Sports has a really good basketball clientele. And so, uh, you know, they stayed in contact and he's just like, you know, you need a secondary education, which Jamie already got his master's at that time from Elmhurst in Chicago. And then uh, after that, he's just like, I need you to start working on recruiting. So that's when he went back to college and he coached at a couple different colleges, creating recruiting classes for them, which ended up being um, 
one of his classes that he recruited for ended up winning a D3 uh, national championship. Mm -hmm. I think that was Elmhurst. And a couple, of other, a couple of his other ones, he had highly recruited people that probably shouldn't have been playing there. So he kind of proved that he can do that. Went through the interview process to get with Priority Sports for the agency. Um, long story short, became an agent now, and this is year three in the business. Um, this last year, he has Ekem, sixth pick in the draft. He also had Aiden Hutchinson, number two pick in the oh, draft. That so like, that's awesome. Yeah, so uh, he's he's been absolutely killing it. It's super fun that you know we get to work together. We can speak the same language now. Um, our life kind of stay like we stay so close intact and you know, him being my agent and we us being best friends since we we're in preschool like I can talk to him way different than I can talk to maybe a normal agent um, he's always gonna shoot stuff straight with me I can ask him hard questions and it's, it's just been a super cool thing to be able to do this with my best friend um, do a lot of the hard conversations so you know experience a lot of good conversations because he actually knows about the business now yeah and so it's he can he can just relate to me a lot more and it's it's been super fun going through that together that is really unique i i've had great agents and staying close with them and you know they've been in my wedding you know it's mm -hmm. that's what it's all about jay what do you got for uh no because you've so. seen it from all sides because you were your own agent there at the beginning like mm -hmm. how have you seen like when we see other guys around the league kind of negotiate their stuff on their own like are you just thankful to have like a great like player agent relationship that you have now absolutely because What's so nice with me is I have Jamie that I can go talk to at any point of the day. I can talk to him about absolutely anything, um, football or non-football. But then he has his mentor in Mike McCartney, and you know they just work such so good in tandem. And uh, so I, I can always bounce ideas because Mike handles a lot of the contracts right now, the negotiations, um, like the whole contract side. Mm -hmm. Jamie does a lot of the recruiting for them, um, and so they they're just such a good tandem together they work so well together and i kind of have the best of both worlds in that sense have you since going back uh, a little bit talking about like you know the being temporary like hotels like have you since laid down kind of side permanent routes in carolina uh working on that okay um i've always been a guy that's has always kind of bounced around like i said i've been a minimalist i i have a bunch of my stuff because i've lived in a house um with one of our former teammates for the last two and a half years um, he recently sold the house, so I was like, I need to get my own place again. So all my stuff's actually in a storage unit. I was like, and, uh, sold it? Yeah, so it's, you it's Sydney, You can bunk with Sydney now. I know Sydney and I have actually a bedroom if you, need, if you need somewhere to stay. So. <laughs> I, I'm actually securing a townhome right now. There you go. Are you uh, buying or renting? Buying. Wow. Um, so I'm actually, our first day is, our first day we get back is the 10th or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. And uh, supposed to close on the 11th. So look at that. But then you have to stay in the hotel a couple nights too. And yeah, make sure you're good to go. We'll, we'll see. We'll yeah. see how it all works out. It never ends. It never ends. Um, I don't want to get too business-like, but you were a free agent this off season. I was. Yep. You were. How was that situation for you? Is it what you wanted? Is it? You know, everyone wants to get paid these big tickets, but like, you know, take us through it in like a non in a laid back way. I don't want to get too in the nitty gritty of how that process went. Yeah, um, so after the season ended, you know, the Panthers contacted me right away and we were just going to wait and see. Um, obviously, you try to get as much money as possible, but at the same time, you're looking for the right fit, you're looking yeah. for the right situations, the right city, um, all that kind of stuff. And so it was just kind of like a waiting game. I wasn't in any kind of rush to hurt or to sign, um, so I was really patient about it all. I mean, ultimately, it would have been nice to stay in Carolina. You know, that's where I've been. I've developed good roots here, like you were kind of talking about. Um, good friends. I know the city super well. I have everything at my disposal as far as 
um, massage therapists, you know, acupuncture, like all that kind of stuff. And I just, I have a really good feel for the city. I enjoy the city. And um, it's a great place to live. Yeah. Uh, I love it. I wish I would have known three years ago that I would have been here. This would be my third training camp here. Yeah. I would have bought a place. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm the same way. But you just never know you in never the NFL. Know. Not for long, you know? Hey. <laughs> not for long. You really can't. You really don't. Everyone, you know, and again, it's not, I don't blame people for this. It's just not painted. It's painted a certain way by the top players in the league and everyone yes. gets to see the houses online yes. and they get to see these big places but you're trying to make this money last a lifetime so if you think about, think about the money that you make in a short period of time it's great and don't get me wrong I have a great time and travel and spend it with the best of them at different times but it's really hard at the bottom of this league yeah I mean there's many times me and my Volkswagen Passat from Chicago. Chrysler 300. Yep, Chrysler 300. Chrysler 300. I bought a truck this year and it feels great and I really wanted to do it. It was like my goal. And you and I were talking about this, but I'm like, ah, I'm like ready to go back to my roots and go get another, <laughs> get another like car and, you know, sell my truck and then take that money and buy a boat with it. But that's a different story, you know, that, a bunch of depreciating assets. Kids do not buy this stuff, do not do this stuff. It's like 101 of what not to do. So I probably won't do that, but it sounds good on paper to talk about. Um, what are you looking forward to this year, the cliche cliche question? Like, I just think this year that we, you know, we're, we're actually building something here. I feel like this team is a lot more cohesive um, than it has been in the past. Um, I like the new coaches we brought in, the new systems we put in. Um, I think we're going to surprise a lot of people this year. I don't, I don't know what they're saying about us, about where we're ranked or what we're projected or anything. But I don't think it's very high. Which is fine. I would assume that because they've just kind of done that for the last couple of years, but I think we're going to surprise a lot of people this year. I agree. Um, I think we really got something good going on. I couldn't agree more. What do you got, Jay? Well, my last thing was the road less traveled scholarship I was reading about. Yes. Can you come tell us like the origin of that and where do you hope it like grows in the future? Yeah. So that started with uh, you know George Floyd happening in Minnesota. You know, I consider Minneapolis you know my city. You know, I spent a lot of time there. I still go back there every off season. I have some of my closest friends um, and family are back there. Um, so when that happened, you know, Minnesota got such a bad rap um, about being the state, and I was just like, oh, man, I didn't, I didn't know it was like this. And you know, I started contacting a bunch of my friends, um, a couple of my CFL friends, and talking about the situation and whatnot. And I was just like, there's got to be something I can do to help. Um, I, I just, I want to, I want to be involved more. I want to, sh- you know, just show people that not, you know, not, not everybody's like that. And I, I, I just was trying to find something I can do to help. Couldn't. Um, just kind of brainstorming with some people, um, talked about some city cleanups and everything because Minnesota was getting destroyed at that time and it was kind of unsafe to be out in a lot of those places. Um, so just going back through stuff, you know, we talked about Division three athlete, you don't get scholarships and the, that debt racked up for me and that was something that was super stressful, especially, you know, playing in the CFL where I didn't, I didn't make much money at all because it's not only is it taxed super heavy in Canada and the states because I get taxed in the states too, but it's Canadian so it's not as much money um, when after you convert everything, and so like paying that plus you know rent plus food plus gas and everything like it was a super stressful time for me and that's something I just didn't want to. Th- that was something I was just like I want to take help take that stress off somebody else, so I ended up you know creating the Road Less Travel Scholarship which was given to, I did, 
like the premise of the thing is I just wanted to hear about somebody's passion. I don't care what you're passionate about. I want to hear your passion and what you plan to do with it. And I also want to hear some kind of over adversity you overcame because if anything you want in life, you're going to have, you know, you're going to have adversity of some sort. Um, and you've kind of heard about my story. I've went through a few different things as well. And, uh, I just want to make somebody's life easier. So, um, I, you know, and after the George Floyd, that's what kind of inspired me. I was just like, I want to help, you know, the African American culture out there. And, uh, so I ended up doing that and I can't even, I was so surprised of how many different applicants there even was to it. You know, it ended up going on bold.org and I wish I had the number on us. I would have done research if I knew this was kind of coming up, but I want to, I want to say there was well over a thousand, maybe even close to 2000. And that number could be 5,000. I honestly don't remember. But um, people who actually applied and what it came down to is bold.org would read through them all and kind of sift them out and give me a final list. I originally asked for, like, I think they originally sent me like a top 10 list and you're just like, you know, pick from these top 10. And after reading all these stories and it was just kind of inspiring me and whatnot, I was like, this is so cool. And I was just like, I can't just pick from these 10. I was like, what about these other guys that, you know, made it in the top 25 and the top 50? Mm -hmm. And so during training camp, um, that was when everything was kind of coming in. Um, as I would spend time in the training room, that's when I'd start or continue to read these stories. And I think I ended up reading through the top 50 applicants and uh, ended up choosing two of the winners. And they were both granted, because I think we ended up raising twelve, thirteen thousand dollars $13,000. That's just super thankful, by the way from um, all friends and family and um, just, you know, even random fans um, that were donating to the scholarship that I created. And I was able to pass out, it was like six, a little over 6K to uh, two different students. And um, it, it was just super inspiring, like I said, to read, read what they're passionate about, stuff they were going through at the time, um, or some, some of the stuff was, you know, stuff they went through, you know, just growing up, um, the housing situations, family situations, um, sickness, um, different deaths in the family and uh, to me it was just super inspiring to uh, read all those and I was you know super fortunate to be able to help them out that's such a beautiful thing it yeah. really is that's awesome stuff there's a lot of guys in the league that do a lot of awesome things Zay anything from you thanks for coming on man we appreciate it I shouldn't even say anything from you because you're, you're the guest on our show but we appreciate you yeah, you can on. always do questions for us yeah yeah Questions for Colin. Yeah, what do you got? How long have you guys been doing this for? Because I know that you've talked about it for a while, and I told him a long time ago that I wanted to get on this thing. Yeah. And so when he texted me, um, you know, a few days ago, he's like, you know, what are you doing Sunday? Because, you know, this is our first day off. He's like, we'd like to have you on the podcast. And I think I texted him back, yo, I've been waiting for this. So. I know. And I don't, and I think, too, like, I, I try to get everyone in different capacities, but when we're here, it's funny, these guys, I'm like, all right, guys, put a list together for me. You have one, Jack? Always there, Okay, thank you. So uh, I said, all right, who do you guys have? And they put this whole list together. And some guys are better quotes than others. So I'm like, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. So we've had great quotes from a lot mm -hmm. of guys. Miles was awesome. You guys, the Miles Hartfield interview was great. Justin did that one. Johnny Hecker was great. We have a lot of great quotes on this team. Um, I started this in 2017 when I got cut from the Giants. And it started as Not For Long podcast. NFL stands for Not For Long. Start the podcast. And then it like, it would come alive and then it would die. And then it would come alive and die. And I do it in off seasons and I wouldn't do it when I would join teams. A little bit I would, like if I had a buddy that, you know, did something good in college football or did something good in college basketball or whatever, maybe I'd, I'd sneak an episode out there. But I was on the practice squad. I didn't want to give them any reason to cut me. Mm -hmm. And back then, 
17, 18, it's, I know this doesn't sound that long ago, but it was different. There was no new media like it is now. Like, I'm allowed the team and, and coach, like, and they support things that we do off the field. Like, before, that wasn't always the case in a lot of things. Like, if you tweeted on, like, game day in the morning, like, with certain franchises, like, that's like a cardinal sin. Now, it's like, guys are going on Instagram Live, you know, two hours before the show, before the game, and, you know, the NFL has rules against it now, right? You can't even do it in the locker room. So my point is, it's changed a lot, and the new media has allowed us to expand and grow, and we have multiple podcasts now. So I don't know. I just keep saying yes to a lot of things, and I have a lot of great people on our team that say, you know, what can we do? And they're like, here's what I suggest, and we kind of hit it. So we've been doing it for whatever, four, five, six years now. Something I always wanted to do. I was going to say, that was my next question, was what was your inspiration for actually creating it? So I told a story on different podcasts before, maybe not on mine, maybe I have, but my dad sold his business and then he you know, started working for a new one. And in that time period of about a year, he would drive me to school. I didn't have my license yet. And we'd listen to Mike and Mike in the morning, every mm -hmm. single morning on the way to school. And he'd be like, Colin, listen to how they articulate, listen to how they you know, come up with stories and listen to the guests that come on. What guests do you like more than others? And it was almost like a quiz every day. And that really impacted my life, that show. That's how I picked my college. I like the way they, they would pick playoff teams every year. And how they pick playoff teams where they pick like five categories that matter and rank them and then whoever had the highest score that would win the Super Bowl. And they nailed it. They did it with the Giants the one year when the Giants barely made it because of the wild card. They'd nail it every year. And uh, you know, that, that show had a tremendous impact on me. So I just, start, I just kind of said, I'm gonna do a show. And I joined this Temple football broadcast when I would go back and take the train to Temple and then work out at Temple when I was out of the league and I got cut. I like, hey man, you wanna come on and talk about the team? Because I was doing color commentary for the radio and covering Temple games. So it all kind of started around then when I was like involved and I'm like, hey, this coincides with football. It doesn't affect my play. I still can train and do all the things I do and then just have the normal conversations I have with guys. And then here we are. So now I got guys in purple polos running around and <laughs> doing awesome things and it's been great, it's been fun, so. It's awesome. Yeah, man. Appreciate you coming on. Anything from you, Jay? Jack's got a question. I'll come in the frame here, I guess. Oh, wow, you want to be in the frame. Well, because it's a visual question. Would you like to tell the listeners what you, th what you thought I looked like? Like, who did I look like? I, s I said he looked like Farva from, uh, from Superbad, and it was... <laughs> Super Troopers. Sorry, Super Troopers. And he's just like, I don't even have a shaved head, but it, I think it was the mustache, the mustache. That, that did it. It's the stash and the hair. We, we have the original Fudge Kitchen, the visor here, sh shipping fudge and sweet treats across the country. Fudgekitchens.com, check them out. Jack had the visor on and we ruined your visor swag. Oh. Let me get a little promotion. This is like Entourage. <laughs> has anybody seen Entourage they're like, when they're trying to get the free? Have you watched the show Entourage? These two haven't, which, which is a fine. Have you seen Entourage before? Okay, so. so we got three major fines. One, two, three. So it's loosely based off Mark Wahlberg's life. It's a fantastic show. You've never seen Entourage? I might have seen like an episode because I think many people have told me about it, but I don't know. If well, in the beginning, one of the beginning episodes of season one, Rufus over at uh, whatever electronics that says, if you give me a shout out tonight on Jimmy Kimmel and wear my hat on stage, we're going to so hook your house up with free electronics. So they're also, and you're like this, and they're like, a fudge kitchen, the best in the business, baby. So when you put that on, I thought about it. So yeah. never mind. It's jokes, the joke's on me because none of these guys have seen Entourage. So hey, those fudge kitchen, I'd love a, you know, love a little care package for camp. Oh, we're going to have to hook them up. Housewarming uh, present. Uh, what are we on? There you go. Housewarming present. Uh, Callback. There you go. Housewarming pre present for Z. 
Uh, Brandon Zilstra, appreciate you joining us, man. That's uh, a yeah. I will do it for another episode of the Colin Thompson Show. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Focus on another thing.